With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by Anderson, Augustino, and Keller, attorneys at law, with offices in South Bend, Indiana, serving the local community's legal needs with a diverse and innovative group of lawyers. Let their team be your edge on legal matters. Contact the lawyers at Anderson, Augustino, and Keller at 574-288-1510 or visit their webpage at aaklaw.com. Welcome to Irish Illustrated Insider with Pete Sampson and Tim O'Malley. I'm Tim Priester. It's Monday after Notre Dame's 35-14 victory over NC State. It's Wake Forest week. We'll talk more about the Demon Deacons on Thursday, but right now the um, the topic is Notre Dame and their rise up the polls. They're number five in the AP, number eight in the coaches' poll, much to the chagrin of a lot of people that can't understand why they're not higher. And more importantly, on Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, we'll find out exactly where the NCAA playoff committee has Notre Dame ranked. I suspect it's fourth at the worst, but probably third, and I think most people in the industry are, are agreeing with that now. I I'm not sure I'm in that group. I think fifth. I think the, that's where they'll, they'll be fifth on Tuesday. I'm fifth or fourth. One of the yeah. two. I don't, think they root, I don't think they jumped a third. Um, Heather Danich from ESPN and a group of people yesterday, I mean, for what it's worth, right. had them uh, had them third. Who are You have Clemson ahead of Notre Dame. I think you could make a pretty easy The team that lost Clemson. to Syracuse, you have them ahead so, of Notre Dame. I mean, they beat Virginia Tech and Auburn. I mean, okay. they, I... I they did win the national title last they year. They did. Um, but and I think look, that, the fact you can have a conversation about who's better, Notre Dame or Clemson. <laughs> that's a good great. thing. Let's, let's, just let's focus on that. That would be significant progress yeah. since 4 and 8. <laughs> uh, well, so who, you have, who do you have, I Oklahoma? Think I, I would go Ohio State. Okay. Um, that's who I think will be in front of them. Yeah. I would rank Notre Dame third if I were doing the rankings on merit. Yeah. I think Ohio State will be ahead of Notre Dame after that because it just happened. Yeah, you know, I mean, this is, look, it's very subjective. I'm projecting and, and the what, way, what will happen, not what I right, right, and and yes. there should yeah. be a distinction there because how the committee looks at it and how Joe Blow looks at it or right. how we look at it. Um, you know what the key of this whole Joe thing? Blow. The whole other thing we are, and you know, who else is Joe Blow? Coaches poll the AP yeah. poll and everybody else because <laughs> yeah. none of them matter at all. It is just this singular poll. Why well, people should not get all worked up about the coaches poll because the coaches do not have time to <laughs> no. be thinking about their vote, and in many instances, it's a it's a person that works for him. Uh, Brian Kelly backed out of his coach's poll vote yeah, this was, year because he didn't want the distraction, and I don't think He doesn't that, vote. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think that he was really doing the legwork on, on gathering that information, which is impossible during the football season. But we use those as guides, but the real guide, the real uh, formula will be in play Tuesday night. Why do they continue to do coaches and AP polls after the playoff poll comes out? That's like once the field of 68 comes out. If the AP was like, well, here's what we think the bracket should look like, and see if people want to fill that out. Well, I understand why the I understand why the Associated Press does because they're well, yeah, and they're I mean, they're accredited. 
they're accredited organization. Uh, and so there's a degree of pride that they want to maintain there. The coaches poll, I, I, that one I, I, I don't really get. Don't I think the coaches would out. gladly would gladly surrender uh, the, the, the job of voting every week. Yeah, I, mean, I guess I just sort of look at it as NC State is at, at Clemson this week. Um, so you get sort of a like-by-like like comparison yeah. there with Notre Dame. Um, you'll get the same thing with Miami probably at the end of the year, ACC championship game versus Notre Dame going to Miami. You know, I, I, I think the Big 12 will play itself out. Pac-12 has already played itself out. Um, you know, I, I think it's a situation where basically it's the the five teams that there's going to be somebody from the Big Ten is going to make it. Probably two SEC teams are going to make it. You got the ACC champion. You got Notre Dame. So you got five teams for four spots. Yeah, and I don't. When I say third, I you know I'm not adamant about Notre Dame having to be there. There's a lot of criteria to take into consideration. When I looked at it in writing. Uh, the point after Sunday morning, it was, you know, just looking at each team and I guess looking at all of their flaws. Now, Notre Dame's flaws aren't as easily recognized within the last six weeks, uh, but they did lose at home to Georgia. So, um, you know, whether it's one point or whatever, they lost at home. I sort of look at it, and I wrote this in my column, the argument for Notre Dame third is a pretty easy one to make. Right. If you're just looking at it, it's like, who has maxed out every single Saturday? Alabama, Notre Dame, Georgia. Those are the three teams. Yeah. Like Alabama and Georgia clearly are 1 2 or 2 1, whatever. It doesn't make too much of a difference. But if you're just looking at who's playing the best, Notre Dame, I think, would have to be number three. I mean, Clemson has some good, they have some good wins. Um, I think they've beaten six teams with winning records, which is tops nationally. Notre Dame has four. Uh, And then Ohio State. You know, has a really good win just this Saturday, and they mur- have murdered people in the same way Notre Dame has murdered yeah. people um, since since they lost in in week two. Uh, but it, uh, I don't know, it's it's going to be weird to have to watch <laughs> full every Tuesday night again. It's been about a couple of years. Thompson, by the way, is at North Carolina State and favored by seven and a half. Okay, for, it's for at what, NC what State. Yeah, okay, it's at NC State. That'll be uh, that'll be interesting. As far as the NC State team, we saw. On Saturday, I was, um, I'm not sure what impressed me more, Notre Dame running all over them for 318 yards or Notre Dame's defense taking what I thought was a pretty good, balanced, innovative offense and shutting it all the way down. I mean, Naheem Hines, the running back going out, the ankle injury, just two carries for six yards. That hurt them, but... I'm not so sure it would have been a whole lot better. Maybe they score another touchdown and lose 35-21. But at that point, Notre Dame probably piles on a, a, another one at the end and wins 42-21. Yeah, he, I mean, I you know, he they couldn't, they weren't going to run the football with a couple of 220-pounders. I mean, Jalen Samuels, his effectiveness is accentuated by having Naheem Hines on the field with him. And, and, and of course, he wasn't. Gillespie's just, a, a you know, another big back with not a lot of speed. But... You know, I wrote about the tail of the tape as my lead. I mean, I think you have to be impressed with Mike Elko taking the aggressive approach uh, against their short passing game. Not that they were pressing him at the line of scrimmage. They were giving him a cushion off the line of scrimmage. But it was clear from the outset that Julian Love was ready to attack on anything that was thrown short. He got bit one time by it. Uh, but you could live with that with all the other, you know, quality, aggressive plays Notre Dame made. And, I mean, think about how many passes where... It wasn't just the, the the 
you know, the quick outs and hitches and stuff. But, I mean, something over the middle where you had Crawford, you had um, Nick Coleman coming over the back. And when I say over the back, not actually making contact, but coming from behind and reaching around. And when you look at it in slow motion or, or any of the replays, it was just quality defense. Jalen Samuels got a little worked up at one point barking at Sean Crawford on a play that wasn't called interference, but that was a great game by Notre Dame's DBs and a lot of credit to Mike Elko for the aggressive approach. It's when Harmon made the leaping touchdown catch on third down to go up 14-7. Notre Dame then stopped in competitive game action 10 of the next 12 third or fourth downs. And just by reading off the names, I put in parentheses the guy that made the key play. Troy Pride, Julian Aquara, Andrew Trombetti, Andrew Tranquil, Julian Love, with his interception touchdown, Coney, Crawford, Trombetti, Tillery, Dalen Hayes, force pass incomplete. It's just all over the board, making plays. Anywhere from third and three, fourth and one, to third and ten. I know they had them on a lot of third and longs, which is obviously going to be important, but it's not like they fall into third and longs. It's because your run defense is good. That's why they're in third and long. He, he couldn't have them playing at a higher level, Mike Elko, for what he, he has. It's not like he has bad talent, but he could not have them playing at a higher level. No, and it wasn't like... I mean, it wasn't like Nordin's pass rush pass rush was crashing down on Finley all day. That really wasn't the case. Yeah, I thought he was really good with play action and disguising the ball, where he actually would freeze the front four. Almost, it's a disciplined front four. It means they're not being let loose to go after right. him. But yeah, they they had to cover a bit. It wasn't total right. domination. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they only had what. How many sacks did Nordham have? They had one? One. Yeah. Just one sack? I have and, for just looking and just a, just a couple of, how many? Six real six? quickly. In, in competitive game, you know. It's not charging uh, well, that's, I know, mean, that's, that, that's a pretty good number. Yeah. But, it, it, you know, Finley had opportunities to throw the football. He hung in there. Uh, you know, I kept talking about Nordham needing to put a hit on him. And a couple times they made him hobble a little bit. But um, the kid's good. I mean, he's good. And he still only completed 17 out of 37 which is uh, which is astonishing for a guy that's used to completing seven out of every ten passes. I think it's the most passes defense they've had this year. Uh, I believe seven was the previous high, but I, I know they had 11 in the first three games, and since then they have, so in the next five games, they have 26 combined. That's wow. a pretty big change. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think Julian Love is at 10 uh Past breakups for the year, which is only he's only the third Kelly era player to get double figures in that, and the other two was uh, I believe sophomore year Cole Luke with eleven and senior year Harrison Smith with ten. Yeah, he's at eleven too. Oh, Julian Love is at he's 11. already eleven. Yep. Okay, so he's already is at the most tied for the most in the Kelly era, which is pretty wild. And Nick Watkins is at seven. He could get to ten. That's Impressive, too. You're going to have two guys in that situation. Yeah, just think if they turn and look for the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Offensive. Just think Nick Watkins lost his start in the nickel. That's how, that's how yeah. all the quarters are. He did. Yeah. He, he was replaced in the nickel for the whole game by Troy Pride. Offensively, um, just a, a a battering by Nordame's offensive line against NC State's defensive tackles. They came in with four pretty good, good-sized Defensive tackles, they left with two um, as Notre Dame put the lump on two of them, and they they, they quit playing at a, a fairly early part of the game. And, and uh, you know, I, I think maybe I'm more impressed with some of the little things that Brandon Wimbush is doing than you guys are. Uh, I'm but... right there with you on this game. I thought he – I love Brandon Wimbush's short game. 
this week. He, it was the best he has thrown. Well, short think about the tight. First of all, the decisiveness on the touchdown <laughs> pass to to Durham Smythe because he read what was happening to St. Brown on the outside. There was no reroute of Smith who was atta- or, uh, Smythe who was attached left. And there's a quick window there. And we, how many times have we talked about that pass play to Nick Wisher in what game was that Miami. early in Miami game uh, where he hesitated and, and he read it. He threw it quickly. Brian Kelly talked about the four progression read they made at one point, at one point in the game in the fourth quarter. There was the, the uh, you know, the sideline grab by Durham Smythe where we would have seen many times before that Wimbush just would have taken off, but he patiently waited is an amazing catch by Durham Smythe. So I just think a, a lot of you can there's a you can see it in his eyes. Uh, we talk about body language a lot. I, he he's going through his progressions and he has a lot more faith and confidence in his own ability and the whole trust factor with what's being put on his plate offensively. I mean, I continue to like how they use him. Um, it's a passing game that is built around deep passes you know I, i'm just i'm just through the first half right now he's he was only one of three deep but it was a 25 yard td and then there were two pis right those count those add up those count. Three, three in the game yeah so i mean you had three good things happen to you when you threw the ball deep um and then you know the, the td to stefferson it's either it's a 50 50 ball kind of thing the Smythe 11 yard reception only one person is catching that but then there was a there was a play I think it was right before may have been in our last drive where he stepped up in the pocket and he hit Smythe for 16 yards over the middle it was over a linebacker's hand I mean that that's the kind of throw that he I hesitate to say never makes successfully but almost never makes successfully and I thought that was in addition to the anticipation on the touchdown pass. Um, there, there was just there were good things. Well, it shows it there. shows touch. You know, the the touchdown pass to Smythe was not rifled. It, it it was a touch pass to a large extent. Um, you know, in a I don't know two or amidst two or three defenders, it, it wasn't a really difficult pass to no, make. Wide, but, I mean, was, yeah, the guy was, was wide open, but he if, made the decision decisively. If you throw to the spot, right? Um, and it was it was really built on something that BK said. Last week or two weeks ago? Last week. I I was like, it was, yeah, it was last you week. you asked about yeah, it. Yeah, I was just like, it's basically the, the issue with Wimbush or the, the room for improvement. Don't throw to the open man, throw to the open spot. And the Smythe touchdown was 100% an example of that. So that was that was pretty interesting to see. So uh, good growth on his part. Um, you know, I will say Mac, I mean, the, let's talk about the injuries a little bit. I guess there were a, a few, although Morgan came back in and played. Brian Kelly said it's a... Kind of a chronic shoulder. He's probably getting stingers on a regular basis. Jonathan Bonner. I mean, he's yeah. been braced up since training camp. Um, Jonathan Bonner, ankle injury. He came back and played, although I'm sure that he was hobbling a little bit on Sunday. Um, LSA Jones has a concussion, so, um, you know, we can expect Normally that. he's out. Normally they'll be out in the concussion protocol. but uh, well, I mean, at least a week. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, he's, I he's out uh, for Wake Forest. And then Tony Jones uh, Jr. asked about him on Sunday because I saw him hobbling after the opening kickoff, and then Brian Kelly said that he suffered a hip pointer at, at, at some point in the game. So, and Wimbush, of course, um, I think his right foot's healed, but I don't know. But now he's got a left left foot issue, which I'm, I'm sure gave him a little bit of trouble when he woke up on Sunday too. Hopefully, he went to. Where do you <laughs> he, want to go with this? Hopefully, he went to therapy. <laughs> Hopefully he got th- he got he got treatment right after the game yeah. and then as early as possible on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, it's I 
it was interesting to see the game plan with him running the ball or not running the ball, <laughs> as the case was. I know that Brian Kelly, after the game, said that kind of downplayed the notion that it wasn't really a game plan Yeah, thing. well, he was very aware where Bradley Chubb was, and he made some decisions that avoided contact with Bradley Chubb, I thought. But for the, for the game, Notre Dame ran, I, had a, I think, at 31 um, sort of zone read concept type run plays, and Wimbush kept the ball on one of them, which is by far a, a season low. I, I only had three designed run plays and one scramble. So it was. And he only gained twenty yards on the third down scramble. Yeah, I mean that, that's fine because that's <laughs> that, that was the play that of the day at that time. Play. That, that was, is huge. You know that has nothing to do with like Brandon Wimbush in the run game. That's just like ah, nobody's open. I gotta go. Um, so they didn't really stress him in a designed run kind of way. I mean, you go back to designed runs by game: Temple three, Georgia four, Boston College eight, Michigan State two, Miami four. North Carolina, well, Ian Book was two. Uh, USC was four, and then NC State was just three. But I mean, it was it felt like even less than that. It's interesting you said USC was four design runs because he picked up nine first downs running against USC. That means five yeah. five scrambles in addition to wow. the four runs. Um, yeah, that, that that's what you want, I think, now to win. Which the way it's evolved is he is a weapon on third down and second down when the first couple reads aren't there. He's just so hard to contain when he takes well, off. And if success gonna, in that. If you're going to spy, someone's going to be open. That's that's what it comes down to. Right. It's not like you can just say, well, spy Brandon Wimbush. Okay. Well, what's that guy doing? <laughs> he's out of the he's, play, he's, basically, unless he's a unless he's Jalen Smith dropping in coverage and spying at the same time. Yeah. I think that's not, not going to present very often. Well, and it continues to be just amazing in the red zone. Uh, I, I, I think, like in my snap judgments, I said he was two or three in the red zone while... They took a knee at the end of the game, so that doesn't that doesn't count. So he was two or two again, touchdowns, and I think that's twenty six for twenty eight, which is just an, an, an absurd. That's ninety percent. It's just an absurd number. That's what they say stats lie in the NCAA because they're going to get penalized for that knee, right? Yeah, <laughs> they lost one in North Carolina as well. Uh, yeah, for the game, it was it was a season low combined rushing and passing yards for Wimbush. Um, I hit one. I think he had one of his best games. Which yeah, is a good. Which yeah, is a good well. I mean, because yeah, of what right. we want, where you want to see him develop, that's a good thing. Yeah, there's there's no question about it. Um, special teams, Priester, you've been sort of banging this drum for a while, and it no, it, it did bite them on Saturday. I mean, there's no way around it. They they were under severe game pressure for two quarters, quarter and a half, uh, because, because of, of the lack of special teams, and it was almost a way. Uh, I had sort of written that the third quarter. Was if you want to know what Notre Dame was about this season and only could watch one quarter, just watch the third quarter of this game because you had the pick six, so points up turnovers, a big stop by Tavon Coney, uh, defense sort of bowing up in the red zone, and then you have the huge Josh Adams run. And then someone pointed out to me, you forgot a long kickoff allowed because um, that also happened. Which game, what, right? and, and, it, and it it was significant at the time because yeah. Notre Dame had just gone up 28 14, and so now they have a 58 yard return. So if 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 they get a short touchdown drive, it's back to within um, a one score game. I wrote about that in the tail of tape, but that's where um, you know the defense rose up. Coney was huge in in that series um, that ultimately forced a, a punt, I guess, at that point. And then a couple of plays later, Josh Adams is frolicking around downfield, and so now it's a twenty one point game, and the game's over. But um, yeah, I, I mean, a couple problems in the in the uh, in special teams. Uh, we always talk about with special teams, you kind of start with a C and work your way from there. Well, after the blunt 
block punt in the first quarter. We were we were at F working our way back up the chart. Um, and he did have he had a nice return by um, C.J. Sanders, 32 yards, well blocked by all the tight ends. And I thought that was, that was a pretty important that response. Was a nice, if, yeah. he, if he returns that to the 12 like he has a couple yeah. times this year, that's not an easy responding drive that they had. It was two plays later, it was tied. Right, and you know Newsom. I I think I, I I probably gave Newsom a little too much credit in the um, in the grades afterwards. Uh, you know, I the the consistency factor with Tyler Newsom is it just is it's not there. It, it's just it's not there. It's it's from punt to punt to punt to punt. You don't know what you're going to get. He's going to kick too much of a line drive. Uh, and on Saturday it was. You know, just a, a lot of mishits on punts in addition to the block, which that wasn't his fault. Uh, I mean, it it is a we're at a point where Notre Dame is like, well, if you that's the one thing you we are like, right? I mean, that where yeah, I mean, you start to nitpick. Teams, so could use a I mean, the kick the kick coverage just keeps happening. We've been talking about it since Miami or maybe probably Michigan State. It's this is the longest one too, fifty yards. It's yeah, just, that that's a big one. You can't you can live with some thirty yarders. There's some ill time. I think wasn't the previous long. 38, 38 yards, yeah, but yeah. there's also a 38 when you're kicking it to the 8. So they're starting at the 46. Yeah, I didn't, like you know what, I didn't even, now that I think about it, I didn't even include the kick out of bounds by Yoon in, in, the, in the report card. I these gave it a good D+. Things, plus, so. These are the best things to worry about, though, at this yeah, point. Yeah, no doubt about it. third-ranked team in the nation. That damn kickoff depth. Yeah. <laughs> they're kicking off too much. <laughs> that's the problem. It's worn out. All right, well, that's it for segment one. We'll come back for questions for our readers and Twitter next. Irish Illustrated Insider. Irish Illustrated Insider is brought to you by Anderson, Augustino, and Keller, Attorneys at Law, with offices in South Bend, Indiana, serving the local community's legal needs with a diverse and innovative group of lawyers. Let their team be your edge on legal matters. Contact the lawyers at Anderson, Augustino, and Keller at 574-288-1510 or visit their webpage at aaklaw.com. Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider. A couple of questions from Twitter here. These are quick yes or no or one word type answers. Uh, toughest game left on the schedule? Uh, at Stanford for me, they're going to run through Miami. They're going to run. If Miami loses Virginia Tech, they are going to destroy Miami. If Miami can win and be up for the game completely, it'll be a better, yeah. better showing. I mean, I think it might some might have something to do with Miami, Virginia Tech this week, but I but I would lean towards Stanford. I think it's got to be Stanford. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know what they because they're going to score so much on Navy that it doesn't matter. If well, there's some trouble with Navy. Notre Dame's really yeah. good. They they yeah. crush Navy right. when they're really good. And especially really good. you know ten one. I mean, I think they'll thrive in that situation. But still, you're going on the road to yeah, <laughs> to, it's, to it's, get it's to all the, the playoffs. So. All the pressures on one team in right. the Stanford game this year. Right. They're capable. So. All right, this is a little more in depth question. This is from Matt Miller, not that Matt Miller. He wants to know, he says, I'm old school and believe if teams have the same record have played head-to-head, the winner should finish above. Still better about 1993. So one loss Georgia, always above Notre Dame, and one loss Oklahoma, always above Ohio State. Agree or disagree? Well, Oklahoma killed Ohio State at Ohio State. Georgia won the game of the year by a point at Notre Dame. Those are different things. Um, They're also both in September, which clouds it a little bit. I'm mostly on his side, though, because until Notre Dame lost to Stanford in 2015, I could not conceive of a human that would vote Oklahoma over Notre Dame when Oklahoma lost to Texas and Notre Dame destroyed them within a five-week span. It was driving me crazy. Then they lost to Stanford and it didn't matter. Yeah, and that's not even head-to-head. That's yeah. like head-to-head-to-head. Head-to-head-to-head, yeah. Right. Um, 
Yeah, I would say that, uh, I mean, Georgia's been killing everybody, too. If they won at Notre Dame, Georgia's got to get in over Notre Dame. If they, if they go undefeated, are you kidding? Or, oh, I'm sorry, one loss. Yeah, they lose, one to, loss. They lose to Alabama. Yeah, if a one loss is to Alabama. You what if it's Notre a bad Dame. loss? That's different. But it's still hit. It but, is, but I that's mean, much I gen- different, though. Yeah, and I mean, I generally agree yeah. that head-to-head, that should determine it. But I think, as I point out in uh, Tale of the Tape this week, absolutes and always are a little dangerous, right. such as... Uh, NC State's offensive line staying in its stance because they thought there was offsides, and so they're going to stick to that and not move. Did you see that on the board that um, there was an NC State uh, grad at my house over the weekend, actually? And he said that's the third time they've done it in two years. It's actually a, a thing they do. No, I understand. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand mm-hmm. that I think they it's do the that on purpose. Thing to do. But I'm saying that there should be a lesson learned here that, you know, it's not like. Um, it's not like they're going to call offside while Julian Love is running down the sideline. At a certain point, you have to abandon that yeah. and play the play. Now, I know offensive linemen aren't going to make a tackle 70 yards downfield, but they can influence the play as it's starting to evolve immediately after the interception. It's a coaching mistake. I mean, because it's, it's a risk or reward. The risk is huge, and the reward is five yards. Like, that's not yeah. that's not comparable. I to on, But... To this answer question. this question, yeah. opposed to the offside call, <laughs> um, I do, I don't have a problem with head to head, not caring everything about it. I mean, Oklahoma, yeah, they they were great at Ohio State, and Ohio, but Ohio State has been great since. Well, yeah, Oklahoma, well, Oklahoma squeaked by Baylor. Well, they struggled to win on a weekly lost basis. At Iowa right. State barely beat Texas. Struggled at Kansas State. Was okay against Texas Tech. I mean, they won by twenty two. Now they're at Oklahoma State and then home to TCU. I think Oklahoma will play itself out of it. But if you if the season ended a day and you said Ohio State should be ahead of Oklahoma, I'd be like, okay, that's fine. I, Actually, I, I agree with you, so I would have to go back on the absolute too. Yeah. But if, if Georgia loses a close game to Alabama and they have one loss, and Georgia has murdered everyone else and Notre Dame has murdered everyone else, it's really hard to vote Notre Dame in over Georgia. Uh, but I, but I you don't have any criteria to, say, to change right? your pick. If, yeah. if Georgia continues to destroy people, and then they lose to Alabama by 17 points. I would still go Georgia over Notre Dame in that instance. I think human nature would knock them out of that situation. The 17 I points. I mean, if seven would not. If they but. keep doing what they're doing, I think that Georgia would still get in. Um, so they could both get in. They both could. They yeah, probably yeah. both would get in. Um, I think they both would get in because if they keep doing what they're doing, they just hammer everyone. Yeah, and Notre Dame does as well. Yeah, because then I mean they would. Because they have Auburn, they have to go to Auburn. Yeah, if they if they beat Auburn by twenty eight points, you would be like, okay, you lost seventeen now. points. It's a right. pretty. That's. Do you have any more Twitter questions? That's it. We okay, move on we'll, to... we'll go with Mr. McGrogue. How do you see the Julian Love pick six play, which turned the game? Did the Wolfpack get? <laughs> there it is. Okay, we did they get well, but no, it's a different question. Did the Wolfpack get job by the officials, or was it a terrible mistake on their part? I think it was a terrible mistake on their part, and uh, Julian Love thinks Notre Dame was offsides, which is pretty funny. So. You know what? I, 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 to me, I, I equated... It's not If you're offsides, you're offsides, but the flag didn't come down, so don't throw the pass. Right, and I I mean, I, I equated to, as I often do, to a baseball, like a check swing, because it's it, it's so borderline. Tillery moves, but Tillery clearly halts his yeah. movement forward, and then the ball snapped, and I can't really tell exactly if his helmet's over, but... He made the initial move and then stopped and didn't budge an itch at that point. You have to know if there's a flag thrown. If this is by design, there has to be a signal, flag, free play. There's got to be something. It's like the fire call when there's a bad snap and field goal. You have to have something to let people know it just, that you're doing something. Yeah, it just seems like an instance where somebody else has to let Ryan Finley right. know, no flag, 
throw it out of bounds. That's it. I mean, it just seems like an operational issue there. It was refreshing to have a Notre Dame player say that. I think they thought that we were offside. I kind of thought we were offside. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah Love said that. Like, well, that's interesting. Like, Where was Love in relation to all the... back? I mean, he wasn't... He's a, he was the boundary side corner, and they threw it to him. So I just, he probably just looked at the But he wouldn't have any perspective. Well, he, he, would, he thought they were offside <laughs> because the offensive line didn't move. And oh, like, okay. Well, clearly this is not... Yeah, he can't look at Tillery yeah. and see his angle, but... Yeah, because he wasn't impressed. But he said that was an ele- he said we played with eleven people on that play and they gave up and they shouldn't have. He made he said well, everybody on the team kept playing. All Notre Dame's defense mm-hmm. kept so playing. So that's why I say NC State has to and maybe everybody should adjust that whole notion of free play. They're not all free if there's no flag on the ground. The quarterback needs to see the flag. Yeah. Or hear the flag. That's it. L. I. Shamrock. With the running game being so dominant, if at some point Notre Dame for some reason gets down a couple of touchdowns late in the game and absolutely must pass the ball, is there enough confidence in Wimbush in the passing game to be successful? I, you know, I mean, for me personally, I think it's growing. I think it's growing for Brian Kelly. I think it's growing for uh, Chip Long. Um, you know, but you don't know until you're, I mean, must pass situation, probably not the most comfortable situation that you want Brandon Wimbush to be in right now, but um, you know if they ever play a close game, especially this isn't even a close game. This is down by two touchdowns at the end oh, of the game. Yeah, so, okay, <laughs> that's bad for everybody. Oh, to let yeah, yeah. I, you know, I mean, to lead them back. I, you know, I think he's making great progress. I, I, I really do, and I think even look, even if you're down two touchdowns and he has to to throw, it doesn't mean that he can't have a 17 yard run that's mixed in there, exactly what I which think. allows the passing game an opportunity for greater success. If you're down two touchdowns and there's five minutes left and you need to drive down and score an onside kick, you're in a bad situation anyway. But if you're just down in the fourth quarter, two touchdowns, they're not. why would they abandon him running? He's going to make plenty of plays running in that situation against a defense that would be trying to be backstopping the pass. So don't get down two touchdowns in the fourth quarter if you're any football team, right? doesn't matter who you have a quarterback. I hear two long-winded no's. I'm just going to say no. I don't. I just don't see how... I, I, I don't you see think it. he'd run it? He could run? I don't think yeah. he would. My level of how much confidence do I have in him bringing Notre Dame back two scores in the fourth quarter by throwing it? Like, well, no, no, no. So that's good for no one. No, I don't. No. Sorry, but, but he, Shamrock. Right, but, but what I'm saying is he can scrabble for 17. You, I mean, you don't just... Sure. It, that's part of it. So, I mean, we, he doesn't have to fit the exact definition of throwing for I guess every yard. Be, I guess it would be the Georgia situation. Here's the ball, a minute 35. Got to go 70 yards for a field goal. There's 65 yards for a field goal. Just, if, if Notre Dame is one-dimensional and that dimension is passing, then you're done whether you have the, the extra Wimbush scramble or not, I, I don't think that is, that's not working. Um, he just, he most just, quarterbacks would be, I mean, it's a bad situation for them to particularly be Particularly one who just won the two-minute drill for the first time last week. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you would agree that Long and Kelly are... Gaining a little bit more confidence in his ability sure. to do that. Certainly. Yeah, I mean, they've gone from no confidence to some confidence. Right. Not Jay Tafel. Were you more impressed with an offense that rushed for th- over 300 yards, or, and this is in relation to the NC State game, or with the defense that allowed just one TD against one of the best offenses they face this year? That's a good question. The latter for me, because I thought they yeah. run for well over 200, because they kill everybody up front and maul them. Uh, 300 was a lot. We were kind of joked that we wouldn't run for 300, but I thought. I put in my preview, they will exceed 200 easily in the game. Um, I am surprised they allowed one offensive touchdown. That's a great job by the defense. <laughs> I'm with you. The defense, I thought, I didn't I didn't think that they were going to be able to hold up to that level. I mean, that was, is that their, 
I don't want to say best game of the year. Like maybe USC too, because I mean they buried USC in all but two drives. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it was just it was really really impressive. Yeah, it, it wasn't. I mean, I would agree with that. Um, the three hundred yards is surprising in that. You know, you had to. You had okay, Adams. You had a twenty-one yard run, a thirty-five yard run, a seventy-seven yard run. Well, his other twenty-four carries netted like sixty-eight yards or something. So he gets it was all tough, right. Time. And so it, it was tough sledding, which we anticipated. But then he popped a couple. Um, remember, I mean, I, I you know I thought Notre Dame's defense could do that against NC State's offense. I uh, didn't didn't know that Elko was going to take the aggressive approach that he did. You know, and stopping those short passes. I think they're both awfully impressive, but I, I tend to agree with you guys defensively. I just think that's part of how running games are now, great running games, though, because you guys remember BC, they had all those stuffs we talked about, breaking yeah. long runs. No, I, you're look, right. I look back, I remember doing research for the Fiesta Bowl. Ezekiel Elliott was in Ohio State where stuffed like 23 times against Indiana, and he ran for 255 yards <laughs> because he just exploded for long touchdown yeah. runs. It's They're up with, there trying to stop you, they stop you once in a while. With the exception of a 77 <laughs> yeah. and 85-yard run. Held him in check. <laughs> But they did. They did bottle them up a lot of times. There's no doubt about that. SR5452, what surprises you more? Durham Smythe's better than predicted play or Alizé Mack's underperformances? Uh, for me, it's Alizé Mack because I was banging the Mack drum in the summer. I, I thought Smythe would be a solid yeah, player. I, mean, I, I like Durham Smythe coming into the year. i yeah. about Durham no. Smythe. I mean. So easily Mack. Um, easily Mack for lingering this long, too. I thought, uh, I, and especially, the, the disappointing part would be that he started making some strides, I thought. In North Carolina with some tough catches. And even Pete mentioned, well, if he never goes down the field again, it's fine if he keeps making some tough catches. But those have disappeared since that game. Well, there there's not much reason for him to go downfield. Because he's not catching anything <laughs> oh, down yeah, there. He's not catching it, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a strange situation. So uh, he drew pass uh, interference was his best play this week. He drew a pass interference call. Well, he's yeah. only targeted two times. And he was concussed on one of them, and the other one was a PI. It's it, his season's been hard to get your head around. There's just yeah, I, I don't know how else to explain it. Um, I think we all expected something else. I think Brian Kelly and Alizé Mack probably expected. Remember something when? Else. Remember? I think it was Kelly talking about Mack about you know how they measure a guy's heart rate and stuff. Wasn't he talking about him being really off the chart and having to dial him back a little bit? Do you remember that, Jack? Do. You remember yeah, yeah. it, Timmy? You know, I, I and we talk about him. He's on Twitter all the time saying this is going to happen, and then I, I think he just, you know, he needs to, he he needs to get control of him, his emotions when when the game starts. I think it. I think that part works negatively against him. I yeah, I I think you might be onto something there, Terry Bennett. Can you elaborate on why Brian Kelly's record with the new quarterback is so good? You know, very quickly, um, I looked at the years that were in question here. That was 2010 with Reese, 2012 with Golson, 2015 with Kaiser, and this year. And those are their best offensive line running games and defense. And he relies on that. There you go. That's the end of that one. I mean, that little Tommy Reese, he decided we're running, and the defense didn't allow a touchdown when Tommy Reese started, right? Until the Miami game, when it was didn't matter. Four games there. There was one from USC. And it took them 15 plays to get five yards or something like that against Notre Dame in the college. Well, it's it was an unbelievable stand. It's astonishing to me that through the first seven years of the Brian Kelly era, the, the two offenses by far, not even close, best running t- games, 2012-2015, and to go into 2016 and think that... Yeah, that's... that's I, I mean, it's just... It's, it's, that, to me, that's absolutely astonishing. It's incredible, but... 
little different this year. Yeah, uh, running game and defense. Don't put on the quarterback. Seems to make sense. Unless you have Tom Brady. I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, I mean, they're uh, <laughs> amazingly only trailed the 2015 team in rushing yardage now. They've only played eight games. <laughs> <laughs> and they're probably going to go by 2015. I, th- I think they're 300 yards behind. It's not a lot. Oh, they're gone. It's nothing's going to be close. They've already they've already scored more touchdowns rushing than they did in 2015. They've got six 300 yard games. And one couple of them are couple of them are 400. One's 500. I I brought up 2010. Everybody remembers they started running the ball in November, right? It was Hughes and Sierra Wood, and that's how they won some games. So in 2010, Notre Dame in the first, so they were four and five going into that Tommy Reese situation. Notre Dame ran for. Two touchdowns. <laughs> that three touchdowns total going into November. I thought you were and waiting for it. They finished with 11. <laughs> Notre Dame has three times almost as many touchdowns as they had in the 2010 season where we all remember Notre Dame running the ball with Robert Hughes. And stuff. Like they had 11 rushing touchdowns in a year. Well, I, there's there's no turning back, at least not this year. I, I, I th- you can also never go to a podcast when Notre Dame 7-1 and find enough 2010 team information like you can't hear. So that is probably enough. <laughs> on the, uh... Do you remember when we were talking about the importance of the run game and if they could just get to 150 yards this week, that would be a real positive. Wow, that's that's incredible. I thought it was very revealing last week when Brian Kelly said he went in thinking they could average 250 yards rushing a game. I mean, that's a that's not even a number he would ever consider. Right? 200, I, you know, in the past, but 250? Um you know, and that's what I mean. God bless Chip Long. God bless him. <laughs> God. They're coming around. Bailus Sell going long at one A, one B, one C. It's important, man. They're all important. Uh, I have one from Twitter uh, as well. We have uh, Manti Teo asking this question. Each of you name one player who has met, exceeded, and failed to meet your expectations. That's good. We can try to. Uh, not repeat. We, I mean, we failed. We let's let's drop Mac out of it. Okay. Equinemy um, St. Brown, who I don't think has responded to adversity particularly well. Uh, he handled a great interview though the other day, right? He was really good in that, but um, he hasn't handled the physicality. Exceeded. Yeah, keep going. Number one this. by far for me is Jerry Tillery, uh, and then expectations met. Yeah, I'm going to say Julian Love because I thought when Julian Love kind of struggled in the Temple game early in the season, I knew he was better than that. Um, the way he played Saturday against NC State, to me, is a Julian Love that I anticipated building upon his freshman year. I would, I mean, the exceeded, you could go on. You could probably list 17 guys. Um, I'll go for a deep cut and say Myron uh, Tongo Villaloa Almosa. Pretty much, because I didn't expect him to do anything yeah. um, for a couple years. I mean, you're talking about a true freshman, three-star prospect that Notre Dame beat out Navy and Vanderbilt for. And yeah, no problem. Just plug him in; he'll be fine. And that's what's happened. Um, he'll make he'll make the big penetration on a fourth and one with yeah, him on the line. Yeah, no, don't worry about it. You can trust that guy. Um, I would say fallen short of expectations. You know. I probably have to say Brandon Wimbush, uh, just because it's so different than what any of us would have expected in July. I think we're expecting um, 
you know, a guy who's going to average 200 yards passing a game, you know, run more of a, a, a true balanced offense. And he's gone over 200 yards once, which is kind of strange. Uh, he's exceeded expectations in some other ways, but he's just so different than what I was expecting. And then uh, I would say meeting expectations. I feel like Mike McGlinchey is the quintessential meeting expectations. You expect it to be great, and he's been great. Um, Quentin Nelson, I think, doesn't fit that because you expect him to be great, and he looks like an NFL All-Pro. Yeah. So I, McGlinchey would be my meeting expectations guy. Who do you have, Tim? My exceeding is Coney, Tavon Coney, mm-hmm. especially with the, I, mean, I thought he'd be fine. Didn't, couldn't distinguish between he and Martini necessarily that much um, entering the year. Obviously, he had a great game against Temple. So, Tavon Coney. Uh, Matt, for me, is tranquil because I thought he was going to be the biggest yeah. playmaker on the team, and he's the biggest playmaker there are on the team. a lot of answers to these, to yeah. these categories. Um, I mean, you could do it exceeded, but no one said Julian Aquara. He's obviously exceeded everybody's expectations. Yeah, I was going to throw him into Failed for me, and then now, you know, it's probably a little injury related, but Tony Jones. I thought Tony Jones would have a pretty big impact on the season. Um, he really only looked like Tony Jones a little bit once. Yeah, I'd put I'd for me I'd put Wimbush in the in the Met category, mm-hmm. and I, and I agree with you, Pete, that you know we we didn't expect the accuracy issues that he's dealt with, but I did expect a first time starter quarterback to have a lot of ups and downs. And turnover is way lower than I was expecting. Yeah. I got to give him credit for that. I think we could group for Pete meeting expectations was the entire receiving core not doing well. You were in on the ground floor on that, yeah. And I think they have fallen below what I figured they'd be able to come up with by this point. That's uh, and I that will be a first half of the season, second half of the season issue because Kevin Stefferson at the end you're gonna be like, well, if the receiving core was what it was for the final six games, for the first six games, I don't think we would be talking about it in those terms. Um, you know, Kevin Stefferson, I think, will have such an impact on the season that when people are talking about Notre Dame making the playoff or not making the playoff. Well, if he was playing against Georgia, they would have won. Is something you could say and be like, "Yep, that's probably true." That if you if you got November Kevin Stefferson on September 9th, 9th against yeah. Georgia, Notre Dame wins that game. Anything else? Wake what Forest else do we have? Wake Thursday. Forest yeah. leading the uh, nation in tackles, nation for, tackles loss. for loss and ranked what on, on uh, rush defense? <laughs> it's like seventy six or something. I don't get it. I don't know how you're at the bottom. Well, like Wondering. we said, I mean, you're 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 giving up some big runs. And yeah, tell you what, they're going to be ranked on rush defense on Sunday. Lower. <laughs> <laughs> because it's going to be a... what number? I don't know. Yeah. Just lower. It's just lower. <laughs> Especially with their best offensive player now out for the year. Um, so that's it for this week's Irish Illustrated Insider. We'll be back Thursday to to get more in depth on Wake Forest and a few passing comments at the very end. Lower. Uh, so until then, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, I'm Pete Sampson. Thanks for listening. 